0: Hello, it's Rum Doing's podcast. Episode 6, I believe. Is that right? Mm -hmm. What's our topic today, Nick Mailer?
1: Well, we must be sure not to talk about what can we do Uh about the dumbing down of British culture. Oh my goodness, the dumbing down of British culture. So anyway, sitcoms are an interesting cultural artefact, don't you think? We don't think of them that much because they've been like an old sofa in our living room for so long now. And yet they are weird little entities with as many conventions and uh, cultural accoutrement as mm-hmm. the most complicated drawing room uh, drama or Edwardian farce. There's there's something about them which I will probably miss when they're gone, and they're probably going in the traditional sense. I know that you're a you're a connoisseur of the art form. So, well, it 's funny
0: when you talk about the sitcom in in Britain, like, the first thing that springs to mind is the 1970s it 's like
1: till the man are born or the good life and Terry or... and June
0: no, not Terry and June do, do, Strange do, enough that doesn't do, do, spring to do, my do, mind do, do, <laughs> do, do,
1: do. The sitcom died with Ronnie Hazelhurst in Britain one might say, but no uh, I, I think of a number of different things because actually when I grew up, the sitcoms that we were given were more likely to be American, so oh, yeah. things like three 's company mm-hmm. and Maud. Robin... Oh, no, Robin nest. No, no, know. it's really A lot of things that, again, don't resonate here, but when I see them referenced in something like Family Guy, I get them, and Victoria okay. doesn't. Yeah. Uh, which is funny. Thank heavens for the British cultural embargo to South Africa. <laughs> <laughs> Except for Morph. Morph and Tony Hart got oh, really? through... And Tony Hart even visited once uh, a big shopping centre in South Africa during apartheid, so... Maybe he was a bit evil after all, <gasps> Uncle Uncle Tony. No. He did, I remember. We can say anything we like about him because he's dead. Yes, you can libel the dead. You can. Unlike the living.
0: He, Tony Hart, once
1: stole a...
0: Cream chip. tea
1: <laughs> from a paedophile. <laughs> That's right. That's all he did. <laughs> yes. So, so anyway, sitcoms.
0: Yeah, well, so it's funny, when it, I think there's two, I don't even know if there's anything in common between the British and American sitcom, as so beautifully
1: evidenced by um, every
0: time they tried to do a crossover. Like, do you remember the Brighton Bells? Yes, which
1: is a, which is a crossover of the... the Golden uh, Girls. Was it? The, oh yes, mm-hmm. it was the Golden Girls. And then they did a crossover of Who's the Boss? Which was we, called... I can't remember it had Honor Blackman in it playing... Playing the same role that was played by, what was her name? The woman with the orange hair who also played Mother in Brazil. Oh, yes, that's true. I can't remember the actress. Catherine Hellman. That. Uh-huh. And so she was played by Anna Blackman in the uh, UK version, which was absolutely awful. And It was called The Upper Hand. The Upper Hand. And do you know who played Tony Danza? Mm, I just remember being a tall, boring man. I can't yes, yes, a tall, boring Geordie or something. said, so how are we going to replicate the sort of Italian-American? Well, mm-hmm. It's going to be a Geordie. That's right. The interesting thing about The Upper Hand was the first season was the the Who's the Boss script. Yes, identical. They literally used the scripts of an American show and obviously made occasional tweaks. They're very occasional. I mean, they still yeah. use most of the cultural references. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I think they might have even said things like Boston Red Sox or things like that occasionally. <laughs> just. And in I it. think the Brighton Bells the, the, certainly the pilot episode
0: was a lifted Golden Girls. Group. Yes, that had Wendy Craig in it. Yeah. because of course a
1: a, a an alumni of many alum, sitcoms alum alumna alumna. Why? Why? Because is she's one one, oh, okay. f- one female alumna. Oh, I see. <laughs> um, so I should know better than to try and pull out. So the Latin. so yeah, I think that one of the problems with UK sitcoms and probably some of UK comedy in general is that. Um, it's insufficiently Jewish. Uh, it's a bit yeah. waspy. So, yeah. and, and you can see that, especially when you try and do a translation. I mean, the Golden Girls, nominally it was supposed to be, oh, we're not Jewish, we're Italian, we're Italian. No. But, you know, frankly, Estelle Getty and the part of Sophia was a very Jewish grandmother, mm-hmm. rude grandmother part. Okay, and she hounded up as Italian. But actually Italian, Jewish, doesn't matter. It's that general Mediterranean, wear your emotions on your sleeve kind of uh, attitude. Which doesn't translate very well here. What works well here is, well, the things like Faulty Towers, where you've got the uptight man who finally cracks.
0: And I, I can't stand Faulty Towers. I like both of and them. And I'm the only one. I realise I'm the only one. Well, and it's not because I think it's clever to dislike it. It's because I, I am incredibly uncomfortable with everything that can go wrong will go on comedy. And wrong comedy. So it's like the same would count for Some Mothers Do Have Them. And I know most people wouldn't want to categorise them in the same...
1: Oh, because you, you don't like Curb Your Enthusiasm then? No, it's, the same thing no it's
0: not. Curb is, is a different show. Victoria hates Curb. It, it's, it's a different because show. Because, because... Why does he keep doing and saying it, the wrong thing? Just stop cur- doing that. Curb Your Enthusiasm is in the same ilk as The Office, the UK version of The Office and indeed the US version. Um, it's not in the same space as, as these uh, slapstick farces of, of of the 70s and 80s, which I just, I just can't get on with at all.
1: I can still yeah. watch Faulty Towers and enjoy it, and the I enjoy it as a period another, piece. The other problem I have with Fawlty Towers is the racism that no one else seems to
0: object to at all. No, I don't. The portrayal of Manuel is horrendous. Yeah, but it's just, it's, it's ridi-
1: offensive. No, but it's, it's ridiculous. Right. It's a farce. It's fine. Yes, it's, but so was... It's officially... Like my Neighbour was ridiculous. It didn't make it... Stop bending onto the microphone. I'm sorry. It was... No, it was a farce, and it was uh, so broad-brushed that I didn't mind. That's why I think if I were... For example, if I were putting on uh, Merchant of Venice... I would. I w- I'll tell you what offends me mm-hmm. when they when they have Shylock played by Henry Goodman or somebody who's trying to portray him as a very sympathetic sort of character and right. problematise him, say, "Oh well, look, he was very imp- uh, oppressed, and we can understand why he wants to kill every Christian because you know they were very nasty to him." No. Yeah. That's not the way it was. Right. He, he needs to be played up as the pantomime Jew that he was. He needs to be coming on the stage with a uh, big black hat and fangs and, <laughs> and you know, with, his, with, 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 with hooks on his hand kind of thing. That's how I would play it. And if anybody writes this podcast and tells me that the hath-not-a-Jew-feeling uh, speech is somehow exonerating, I will explain at length how that speech itself is one of the most anti-Semitic things ever portrayed. And when Nick at length... <laughs> yes i will so don't come and say well but shakespeare was showing me how they were human too no he wasn't he was actually showing you how the most it's very when you've got your blackamores as he goes on about it's very easy you can see that they're dangerous because they've got nice black skin so you know that they're going to be trouble the problem (laughs) the problem with jews is you know you prick them they bleed Mm -hmm. um when you you know when you insult them they react so the problem is they look like real people yes the, it's sometimes, it's all, yeah, people. you can't tell that they're devils. Ah, I see. Until it's too late, until they want their pound of flesh. That was the point of that speech, you idiots who are trying to reconstruct <laughs> Shakespeare as some kind of liberal. So stop it.
0: <laughs> I won't do it again, sir.
1: Good. Sitcoms, then. Do you know what, I just, do you know what sitcom I just watched
0: a whole series of? You have to guess. I'm going to make you guess. It's a uh, British sitcom from the very late 1980s, or might be 1990. Mm-hmm. Um, and the star sang the theme tune. Can you remember which sitcom this would be? Oh,
1: there are I sang the theme tune. You might recognise the phrase
0: "sang the theme, sing the theme tune" from. this yeah. being spoofed.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I but I didn't watch it, so I can't name it.
0: As my friend Ed pointed out, it is um, of course uh, uh, on the up, starring Dennis Waterman. No,
1: I knew it would be Dennis Waterman because that's the joke. Yes, and the j- quickly, and and as, as my, friend, my friend Ed pointed out,
0: uh, Dennis Waterman's sitcoms were in, involved infinite amounts more talent than uh, than, well, Luke, than uh, matt lucas and david walliams ever had really and so their spoofing that was really little. promise yes and Dennis. Waterman Wall- i wouldn't want to defend dennis waterman for too great a distance but uh on the i went back to watch on the up because i remember as a child adoring it just absolutely finding it the funniest thing i'd ever seen in my life and i thought it must be awful it has to yeah. be awful and so I went back to watch it to see what it was like, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Dennis Waterman is, not, is the weakest link in it, yeah. for sure. However, a Sam Thingyman Thong
1: yep. surname. Sam Thingyman Thong surname, yeah. Yep. <laughs> he plays Sam, the yeah. butler. Yeah. And
0: then you've got um, Mrs. Wembley, mm-hmm. uh, played by What's-Her-Face off of the Carry On films. Mm. Oh, I'm
1: not good at this. And then <laughs> Maggie. Yes. The, uh, the 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 assistant played by the I've nice, never seen it I feel like some of the American listeners to our podcast now. what <laughs> yes. the hell are you talking about? Although <laughs> Americans do Americans only get they only get on the PBS occasionally Are You Being Served? For some right. reason that's considered the best British sitcom that's ever or Mrs. Slocum and her vagina. <laughs> and and various other one or two other ones they watch as well, but that's pretty much it. Are you being uh, served? Yes. Occasionally Faulty Towers mm-hmm. and what was the other one? There was another one. Oh
0: um, yes, there is another one. Well, not sitcom. A Benny Hill seems to. Have... Oh, good, good. You know what sitcom they should have in what? that ilk? A to December. <laughs> yes, <laughs> they should have that. Oh God, just thinking about that makes me depressed. Do you know what the best of that? And I saw. on the Defend on the up. On the up is actually beautifully written. It's some fantastic. One guy mm. wrote the whole lot, whole lot and did a really stunning job. And the and actually the dialogue mm. is really funny, way funnier than it deserves to be. I'm defending that show. Mm. Um, uh, Waiting for God. Yes, yeah, no. I've seen it. I saw.
1: Uh, yes, it was good. What's interesting is that that woman is still alive. <laughs> yeah, Stephanie Cole was as, I, I
0: never knew as a kid but she was playing an old lady. Yeah. Now she is that old lady. Yeah. Except sadly she's also fat.
1: So oh is she she, now? Yes. Oh that's sad.
0: So, so she doesn't look quite and I don't that say gold it's gold not sad lady. that she's fat she can be and Stephanie Cole like and she can be any yeah. size she chooses. But she doesn't look like Diana from Waiting for do, God. Do you know such what else?
1: Do you know what else is is scary? I don't know if you remember this but remember the very wonderful, uh, we said there's not enough Jewish comedy in, right. in in British comedy. Uh-huh. The one exception that was that wonderful portrayal by Maureen Littman in the British Telecom advert. <laughs> Cognology, remember that one? Yes, I remember She played. I remember she played, where... she played a very unconvincing uh, old grandmother. Mm-hmm. Maureen Littman now is an unconvincing <laughs> an old, old, old grandmother. grandmother. She, that's kind of like that people become de-
0: de- de- Destiny. Because, yeah. of course, we should say about Stephanie Cole, is she's now in the superb sitcom um, about the air- airline. I can't remember what it's called. Written by John Finnemar. Cabin Fever. Cabin Fever on Radio 4, and she's splendid in that as well. Yeah, and you enjoyed the listen. later series? Yes, I thought it was absolutely fantastic.
1: I enjoyed I haven't listened to the last four minutes of the last episode, but there were, oh, certain, right. there were certain revelations that just came oh, really? on. I haven't
0: heard the very last episode, but I imagine if he does the same as he did in Series 1, that there'll be some surprises. I haven't
1: listened to the last, but there were revelations about why one of the pilots doesn't have a salary, for example. Oh, really? Oh, you haven't heard about that yet? No, I, I know he doesn't have a salary. I don't yeah. know why he doesn't have a salary. Yes, and, 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 and what he does instead. That's where excellent. to make up his money and that kind of thing. So John Finnemore, he's when you listen to Mitchell
0: and Webb on the mm-hmm. radio and indeed on the TV, he's the one who writes. I think some of the best sketches. Mm-hmm. And um, this is his own private sitcom that just I don't think ever gets spoken about. No, it Cabin doesn't. Fever.
1: No, it doesn't. It's quite funny. Early on, it, relatively early on in the pregnancy, um, Victoria was. I was trying to listen to Cabin Fever <laughs> or, because I won't know It was. A, it was. A, it was a trailer on the radio, oh, yes, I remember and they were saying the when it was on. And, and I, 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 I said, shh, I'm listening to the trailer, see when it's on. And that led to a lot of trouble. Yes. Never, ever tell a lady that what she's saying could be delayed for what's on the radio. Have you Never ever had shush
0: that? a pregnant lady, I think that's a lesson well, that,
1: Any lady at all. I, I have a colleague who was trying to watch some nature documentary or something on television. Mm-hmm. And his lady friend was sitting next to him and just yabbering on. You know, suddenly <laughs> it's important to talk. And the television, oh, and of course, you're polite and you say, and then suddenly, how dare you ever try and suggest that the television might have something better to say than I? I, 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 I could say more, but I'm going to get in trouble. all women like this? Is that what you're saying? Well, I have two examples. I've <laughs> only, go I've only, got, <laughs> I've only got about three and a half billion to go, and then <laughs> I'll have a definitive answer. Do you know any other women than those two? I know of, I know of the way they behave, yes. Okay, I'm just saying, in other 100% of women you know behave. By. No, 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 there are other, but I haven't, I haven't had the examples of those behaving in other ways. Okay. I haven't had, I'll put them in front of a radio and tell them to shut up and see what happens. That'll be a controlled experiment. I'll have to do with men as well. <laughs> yes, right. yeah. Double-blind test conditions. I'd also have it. Uh, yes, yeah, so I, I mustn't know whether the radio is playing at the time, that's so right. I'll have to have earplugs in.
0: <laughs> It'll be very interesting to see how you manage to shush them. <laughs> yes.
1: No. Uh, no. I'll just arbitrarily say shh. Oh <laughs> Or not say shh, depending on what a quantum random <laughs> generator tells me to do. Okay. So <laughs> <laughs> we set that up. And you're going to test all women, so all three and a half billion women. Yes, and and then report the results in the Lancet. Okay, that sounds perfect. I should have it done by the next podcast. So I'll let I'll, I'll let you know next podcast what the okay. results were. Sounds good. <laughs> it, it is good. That's the sort of thing that would become the basis of a good podcast. All women are X, and uh, all gentlemen are Y. That said, I mean the broad strokes of a uh, sorry of a sitcom, not a podcast. Uh, mm. the broad strokes of a sitcom are not that. Uh, to be criticized because you for example once told me while we were walking through camden actually which is what brought to mind because i met you in camden today you told me how wonderful women are from venus and men are from mars was and how it taught you everything about women do you remember that no it's not so about six years ago yes i've never
0: read that book it was and therefore it was. That no can't you did be true.
1: it was and you said i suddenly learned about my own female brain and all that kind of thing nope. you did Definitely. I've never read that book in John, my life. John, you're, you're a revisionist historian. <laughs> next thing you'll be saying, the Holocaust didn't happen. It did,
0: absolutely did not. though, wasn't there. <laughs> yeah.
1: <No>. You did <laughs> say that. I've never
0: read that book in yes, my you life. Have. I believe, if I recall this conversation correctly, and I barely remember this, that... Uh, we were walking through so, Camden. Yes, and my boss at the time, Steve, had given, an, uh, had explained something that he had read or been told about that's in the book, which is that. And oh yes, it's coming back to me now. That suddenly you realise that no, no, there no. were gas chambers. <laughs> that's right. That's now I remember killing all those
1: Jews. <laughs> yes, carry on. Uh, he and the gypsies. I didn't kill any gypsies. Well, that was a lie, wasn't it? Yeah, the gypsies were fine.
0: They're fine. Yeah, okay. it's gypsy propaganda. Carry gypsies on. controlling our media.
1: Yes, and our caravans.
0: <laughs> carry on no so okay so what was told to me from a book that I haven't read um, is that this idea that men when men have a problem and they share it with someone in general men want their problem to be solved Mm-hmm. So if I come to you saying, I have this, this terrible problem and I want your help. I've got a weird clicky knee, for example. There you go. And I want, what should I do? Well, it's not really an emotional problem, my weird clicky knee. But i us say I'm in a bad You're relationship. Your knee is
1: sad. Oh,
0: I'm upset about something. I want to tell it to you because I want you You're to... You're going
1: tell out with a crazy
0: woman who I turns want... into a
1: lesbian, for there example. There you go. To, That'll be to good. Something out of, from me, yeah. uh, that, that, that's utterly hy- hypothetical. Hypothetical yeah, example yeah, like okay. that.
0: Um, you... Uh, the, the man wants to share the problem he wants advice he wants uh, the idea to be banged around and, 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 that's, and that's really important whereas the the woman sharing the problem in general in sweeping generalisations doesn't want the problem solved and doesn't want suggestions of what to do but wants to be acknowledged as having been heard and that's uh, I
1: believe what I shared with you and made a great deal of sense to right it. so we now have two experiments, so two experiments two experiments to do next yes. week I've got my uh, are all women ridiculously sensitive when you want <laughs> you to listen to or watch something on television and you generally the shush them yes and you've got ah? Uh, do women merely want to share but not solve their problem when mm-hmm. they share it with you? That's right. And so, so you'll be you're testing with three and a half million, million want, as well, a billion, yeah? billion, billion. Yeah. When
0: you're done with your tests, I'll just take the same subjects. I'll yeah, that's right. Move fine. Them into the next chamber. The next we, next might next chamber. Be,
1: could, we might be able to do ah. We'll be able to combine them because when they fly off the handle. <laughs> oh, hang so, on! Are, we'll you say, sh- are, you shushing, are you shushing? Are you shishing them? Yes. And then i will fly off the handle and you'll say, oh. what's the problem? Do you have a problem that you want no, me to solve? I think, do
0: <laughs> I think we should do it the other way around. I think we should ask the women uh, if they have an emotional problem they wish to share. And then as they start sharing it, you should to <laughs> them because you want
1: yes. to hear the radio. And then I'll say, you didn't want it solved anyway. You just want me to go <laughs> there, 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 there. So yeah, there stop you being silly. That's perfect.
0: Yeah. Look how loud your there's were.
1: Yes, That's dreadful. Um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Are you enjoying the rum? It's um, what is it? It's it's. Let's find out. This is read the uh, read the bottle, please. It's in, it's from it's, the top. Just read every word it's from the in top. Foreign.
0: Read it from the top. I am Ron Ron <laughs> Matusalem 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 Ron Matusalem.
1: Yes. Uh, rum. Yeah.
0: From tiny tiny writing Cuba. Tiny tiny writing. Mm. Produced by Matusalem and Co. Yes. It's forty percent alcohol slash mm. volume mm. seventy centiliters e. Do you like it? No. It's, it tastes like um, ethanol.
1: It is. It's, it's the most uh, vodka-ish rum I've mm. ever had, which I don't mind. It's to clear the palate. Yes, that's right. To prepare Before us for we have our, 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 our gourmet dinner. Hort cuisine. Yes, every, every Monday, every first Monday of the month, I mm-hmm. should say, is Victoria and my junk food. Day. And we I only have, stumbled
0: upon your house yes, on such a golden day. Have,
1: we only have junk food once a month, and it's the first Monday of the month, so we shall be dining like a king. When you have like a, a burger king, indeed. You did
0: a joke!
1: <laughs> I did. When you have your
0: baby, shall your baby eat junk food on the first Monday?
1: Um, will Victoria have a junk breast? Yes, she'll have a junk breast. The milk will suddenly start tasting <laughs> Milkshake. Uh, uh, yes. It'll be
0: banana-flavoured milk on the first Monday of every exactly, month. Exactly. Uh, well, if she gorges on enough Burger King before she feeds, then of course it will be. Yes. Burger King-flavoured. It will. I apparently once managed to produce fizzy nappies
1: because my mum had a glass of champagne. <laughs> fizzy nappies. Fizzy nappies was <laughs> the sounds result of lovely. that. lovely. Fizzy, yeah. fizzy nappies. It's delightful. A gourmet delicacy <laughs> along with the Burger King. Mm-mm. deep fried so what
0: do, are there any sitcoms that are on now that you like
1: do I watch any sitcoms mm. now uh, that, that's the why I brought it up because I suddenly realised I don't and I I turned on the television about a year ago uh, and it was BBC One and it was a sitcom which it had Nicholas Lyndhurst in it
0: oh and it, it wasn't a repeat of the classic Goodnight no, Sweetheart no no it assume. was a new
1: sitcom And we couldn't believe that such a thing was still being produced. It was uh, like... The BBC seems
0: very willing to keep making this. My Hero is another example of this incredibly (laughs) bizarrely dated format. What's happened in America is sitcoms have gone somewhere new. Um, And so you have... Of course, America has always produced the best sitcoms. Um, In, in 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 general, and of course, the thing is, I think it's a theory, a case of throwing off shit at the wall, and you'll have enough that sticks. Because America produces so many sitcoms, and so many of them are so terrible. Uh, for instance, um, there's—if you turn on any of the Disney channels or the Nickelodeon or any of these channels, you'll see uh, um, just horrific children sitcoms and, and every now and then one of them will be of some standard and you'll get a Sabrina the Teenage Witch which is still terrible mm. but rises above the, the Maya but they, they have so many bad ones and then every now and then they stumble upon, upon a brilliant one mm. that, uh, that we eventually will get shown over here
1: but I I don't I mean how would you define a sitcom
0: it the The two rules are it has to be a set situation and it has to have comedy and that does seems to that's it, it that well, is okay it. is the west wing sitcom then no because why not it's uh first of all it's an hour long a sitcom can only be twenty two minutes or half an hour depending on okay. which country you're in um, uh, so you, yes you can't have a you, you can only have half hour you can't be longer than that for a sitcom and you also have to have um it's interesting because I would argue that you have to have a live studio audience or a studio audience, and therefore what happens to sitcoms like say uh, is The Office a sitcom or is it a drama? It's and then, not; it's a comedy. And there, but then series, what about, a but comedy what about, series. But what about Scrubs? Scrubs is definitely a sitcom, but there's no studio audience. Scrubs is a sitcom, yes. So you have this muddle because there's no studio audience in Scrubs. So what? What? How do you? How do you deal with that? How do you rationalise that?
1: Well, you're aren't you creating a straw man argument because you're you are suggesting that the sitcom requires a studio audience to be a sitcom, but that just begs the question, doesn't it? That that's the, what the is thing, required for a sitcom?
0: The, exactly. So what's happened is the sitcom's become very blurred now. It's no longer a defined thing, because when a sitcom was... A sitcom was traditionally performed on stage in front of an audience, so even if you go ba- only go back to the well, 80s Well, not necessarily. 90s,
1: originally, they would have had canned laughter.
0: Which, which creates the same impression, I suppose. Well, yeah. I'm well, thinking, I guess I'm thinking of American sitcoms rather than British ones. But
1: well, what was the point of the audience
0: to to provide atmosphere and and the laughter is a big part so of it. So what
1: was weird about a sitcom then it was almost as if you were watching a little play. Mhm. Or oh, the, the
0: the best and the best sitcoms still feel like theater. So if you watch my favorite sitcom at the moment is uh, The Big Bang Theory. It it feels like theater. They are ev- you know everyone's house on an American sitcom is this incredibly long thin room. Yes. Because it's a, it's a stage with an audience yes. like in front of it. And the, and everyone stands in straight lines or sits in straight lines and there's no depth to their no. to their lives because they have to they're on stage in performance and that and that works tremendously well and I think my, the best example of that would be Roseanne remember Roseanne's yes. kitchen and lounge is, and is the that, Cosby Show almost entirely yes both both programs almost entirely filmed in a kitchen and a, and a front room yes um, with all the furniture facing toward camera
1: but actually I mean we we we, we devalue it because it's popular culture but mm-hmm. actually it, it that puts an amazing constraint. On the writing and on what the writers have yeah. to do and can do. And usually when we put such constraints on artists, it produces art that we admire. You know, when you think about when the the sonnet form, the constraint of the sonnet form means that you have to work harder to produce right. something yeah. of beauty with it. Or you think of... Um, you know, uh Chinese opera or no theatre, they're very specific cultural mm-hmm. constraints. And we are setting up something that has very specific cultural constraints and saying nevertheless you still have to produce something that's yeah. sort of pseudo-naturalistic but and not think... but not quite naturalistic. And mm-hmm. um, it's actually quite an interesting constrained, sophisticated and I use the word thinking about it, yeah, sophisticated form.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, it's just that because it's popular uh, yes. we, we we take it for granted, and, because and I think it, the best of it is actually sophisticated.
0: And because when it's done badly, it it falls apart horribly. Yeah, but so e- a bad sitcom is so much worse than a bad drama or a bad yeah, anything but, else.
1: But even when it's done badly, I think it's sophisticated because it shows the how much is necessary for the underpinnings of this particular artifice. It, yes, it sure. kind of it reveals just how artificial and how carefully produced these things have to be. Before they fall apart.
0: So now in America you have two types of sitcom. You have the three-camera sitcom and the single-camera sitcom. Mm. 3 cameras traditional uh, a stage in front of a studio audience with you know three cameras filming all the events from different angles. And then there's the single-camera sitcom, which would be Scrubs. Now, of course, they don't use a single camera, but you hit it from... There's no... Yeah,
1: and you can go all over in the set. Exactly. And you jump. It's now, a complete set. Now, and... well, from what I was saying earlier on, actually... This is, uh, maybe I'm only really thinking of this now, but it is. The more interesting format is the three camera format yes for sure because it, because of the constraints that that puts on you have to work really yeah. hard to produce a good quality three camera format it's like producing a little play and it, every week it limits you
0: to very specific sets hmm. uh, as well so you have yes exactly and and
1: um, and blockings
0: as we well. have to, um, different people coming in and out and situations so we have to talk about it's scary channeling show at this point but before we do Um, because it just inevitably leads to that. I want to say about Bill Lawrence wrote Scrubs, and Scrubs is a single-camera sitcom, but it's still very much a sitcom. It's all Mm. set in that hospital, and and very occasionally they'll go outside the hospital. And maybe a lot of stuff in JD and Turk's flat in the early series.
1: Yeah, but also Scrubs is is interesting, because it's also filmed on film. mm -hmm. So it, it's got a much better quality yeah. looked at, and very very interestingly, one episode you'll remember, of course, yeah, the where they, episode. where they, they actually turned into a traditional sitcom filmed on video it's with JD's, bad lighting and studio uh, audience. Which the,
0: the, the sitcom author is dying. Yes. of cancer and it's JD's wish that they, it, life could be a sitcom and he would be magically cured by the uh, end yes. and and so of course it becomes a sitcom and they all the nurses in the background male and female become much better looking and there's a studio the audience and it harsh. was a genuine studio audience they built the sets and mm. they had the audience come in it wasn't Candle After just as a cheap and gag everybody has on.
1: their catchphrase yeah and so. absolutely
0: and they had the talent show and it was, it was yeah. absolutely superb his new sitcom is called Cougar Town starring C- uh, Bill Lawrence right. starring C- uh, Courtney Cox because um, mm. uh, she they clicked when he, she, they, she was on the, the most recent series of Scrubs. Um, but the problem with this show is it's another ensemble piece. So you have Courtney Cox, her son, her neighbour across the road, her best friend who's played by Bill Lawrence's wife again, um, and then another best friend at the, from somewhere else. And, and there's, no, there's no fixed position for this sitcom to take place. There's no, there's no location for it. Yeah. it. It exists in the street, but also at work and at the high school and all over the place. And what he's done is he's created a great cast... And he's writing great gags, but there's nowhere for them to go. And there's no, they're not stuck anywhere. And, right. and I think that the situation is missing, and, and mm. it's it's really interesting to see how going single camera gave Scrubs amazing freedom, but losing the situation was actually what stopped it being. Yes. stops it from working.
1: I mean, well, there are the the great situation comedies. Roseanne was yeah, of course. one of them.
0: Fantastic. The Golden Co- Girls is another the Golden
1: one. Girls. Another the Cosby Show when it was good. Was when good. it was good. Especially because I fancied the older sister. Right. Which older sister? About 83 billion.
0: (laughs) No, no, the one who went off to college and then was in A Different
1: World as well. Which wasn't good. A Different World was terrible. A Different World was terrible, it was. It's interesting, the Cosby show in South Africa, as you might imagine, was taken... Oh, that's interesting, ...in an interesting way, because, you know, it produced some hope. And I remember somebody was talking, and they said, Yes, but, you know, ours can't be like that. They're different. (laughs) Wow. it was like it was like wow. there was a different species that was the civilised <laughs> one and they they, they, they were somehow so. you know that was but it was it was the most popular program in South Africa oh really you know, the height of, that is height. a really interesting yes. thing to be true yeah wow. I think people are hoping yeah maybe they won't slit our throats when they take over <laughs> and they'll they'll instead be rich doctors <laughs>
0: <laughs> like the lovely Huxtables the Huxtables yes. Huxtables um yeah, and of course I want to talk about It's Gary Shadling's show since we're talking about this. I, I only thought, watched I one episode Have you really
1: only at, seen an episode? At your parents' house once.
0: Because you obviously uh, are a fan of Larry Sanders' show because you're not an English. Was that a sitcom? Yes. Yeah, indeed uh, it was. Um, very much a situation.
1: It was a situation, but of course, it was the program within a program, so mm-hmm. it it a bit because yeah. you had the harsh lighting during the uh, talk show element yes. of the sitcom, and so on, and you had real people in it, and so on. But yes, it was a sitcom.
0: But uh, it's Gary Shandling show was a very traditional sitcom. Was it began in 1989, or no, maybe maybe as early as 87, yeah, 87, uh, 87, yeah, 87, maybe 87, and so it was Gary Shandling, and it was it's Gary Shandling show for a reason. It was his; he lived in a, uh, in, a in a condo. That had an open, it didn't have a fourth wall, right. but it had a set an, a place where for the audience to sit and watch his life for half an hour every week. Um, he had neighbours who lived in the condos around him who were conscious that there was an audience, mm-hmm. but didn't very often directly address them. That was for Gary to do, um, and there was a script. And there were cameramen and um, he could walk out the front. No one else in the show could, but he could walk out the front of a set and then walk into another one. Mm-hmm. Although he does once take a date. He, he goes on a date with a girl. So he drives around the set to show all the different sets. Right. Um, in, the, in, the stu- in the little mini studio car that's his, right. that's his car. Um, and so there were certain rules like his neighbor uh, had, had a younger son called Pete, who had a treehouse very, very high in a tree. It was a very poor uh, CGI effect of this ladder hundreds of feet up into this treehouse, and they laboriously climb their way up into it, and then Gary realises he's forgotten something, so jumps off the front of the set, runs around to the kitchen set, and grabs what he needs and comes back. Now, no one else could ever do that in its Gary Shalding show. Only he could. The theme tune was... Uh, it went, this is the theme to Gary's show, the opening theme to Gary show. Gary called me up and asked if I would write his theme song. <laughs> right. And so on. Anyway, this is the part where I start to whistle, and how do you, like you know, it's... Yeah. It's, it's it's uh. It's very self aware so Gary would come out on stage uh, onto, into the set into the condo set, and he would say to the audience, so onto that show what we 're going to do is i 'm going to go fishing with my neighbor with my best friend Pete or whatever, and i 'm going to go off and do all this stuff uh, so um, i 'll see you in thirty seven seconds after the theme song's over and it was this incredibly mm. broken self aware
1: extraordinary thing um, and then he did the brilliant larry Sanders Larry Sanders, and, and then what the hell happened to him? He got rich and paranoid, I think he 's fine,
0: just seems to i think he does some stand up and he made a very poor movie. Yeah, um, he's that's not, about it. Not
1: particularly nice character now, is he? I
0: don't know if he's unpleasant. He did the yeah. Ricky Gervais interview that was really brilliantly tense. Both of them were. Well, I heard they were very competing.
1: tense. What, uh, who won? Gary
0: Shandling by uh, by course, a mile. Yes. He was he was far. He was he was brilliant and terrifying. I think Gervais was absolutely terrified, or, and I would have been too. Well of course you should be. Yeah. yeah. Um, you just don't know where you are. Because Gary Shandling, you know, the jokes about his hair, they go back into... Larry Sanders had that same paranoia, but yes. that's a joke from Gary Shandling's show and before. And, yes. and it was from his originally from his stand-up. He, he is this neurotic bag yeah, of paranoia. Yeah, the problem is you,
1: you, you... Again, there is this, how much of it is the character whom he's playing? How much of it is the character that he's built up for his own reality? Mm-hmm. How much of it is a character shield that he likes to yeah. use to see how people react? Uh, the problem is, if someone like Gervais doesn't know... Which one of those he's speaking to no, at any point not. in time, uh, or what blend of those he's speaking and, to, it and must be very unnerving. It
0: must be incredible to have cultivated that as your enti- for your entire because life. Because Ricky
1: Gervais only has two. Yes, he's got him. Off. He's got him, and then he's got that slightly naughty mm-hmm. um, sort of cheeky chappy. Yeah, and that's it really.
0: Yeah, and he and he goes in and out of both characters with Gary Shandling. I think. See, that's a, a in difference. In an attempt to try and in find in a nutshell, the truth.
1: that's the difference. There's your there's your there's your simple meat and potatoes anglo-saxon right. comedy yeah. and there's your sly devious mediterranean jew comedy <laughs> That's sly there. Then one's the shylock you don't quite know if you prick him he'll bleed but on the other hand suddenly he'll turn around and he'll yeah. get his pound of flesh whereas good old uh, gary shandling <laughs> uh is here but, 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 but good old ricky gervais but- won't know where he is and then one day he'll suddenly find that He's got his buttock cut off. Well, c- Clearly, American
0: comedy is, is the, the best American comedy when it comes to just straight comedy seems to come from Jewish Americans. Mm. But sitcoms seem to be a much more waspy world. It, no, They're no, that's the joke. Too. No, it's,
1: it's a waspy world, but look at the writers. Oh, no, I suppose um, that's probably true, That's yes. the thing. And it has to be a waspy world in order for it to be... Because they were worried. I mean, have you ever seen some of the episodes of Larry Sanders where Hank comes out as a Jew and oh, something right. gets all the hate mail? They were worried about that. I mean, yeah. even, even some of the most... Um, that's why, as I said, in The Golden Girls, most of those, I mean, B. Arthur and Estelle Getty were Jew- Jewish actresses. And Estelle Getty certainly thought she was playing a Jewish character and said, no, you're Italian.
0: You <laughs> that's know, brilliant.
1: <laughs> it's like, you know, you're Italian. Don't mention, uh, you know, and, and, and that always that's happened a lot in the uh, in the 70s and 80s. Um, right. So you would have these ostensibly waspy sitcoms. With, with the most obviously Mediterranean, I won't say Jewish, but it's obviously Mediterranean uh, right. thoughts and ideas coming out of them. Uh, and, and it's funny, it even extends into things like The Simpsons. I mean, look at Marge Simpsons, for goodness sake.
0: Oh, I believe on the last Sunday she... Oh, no, 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 that's not true. It's Family Guy. I haven't seen it yet. But Lois discovers she's Jewish in the most recent episode right. of The Family Guy.
1: I mean, even those sorts of things, you know, come on, it's... It, 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 it's very clear where it comes from. Now, there are big arguments about why that isn't it's to do with uh, the tradition of the, 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 the comedy that they brought with them. And the, it goes very much back a lot further mm-hmm. to Talmudic times. And it's not just Jewish, it's, just, it's the Irish and the Italian and that kind of thing as well. Um, and so when people say actually American comedy doesn't have any irony... Oh, that makes
0: me so angry. Actually,
1: America, it's funny, it's just that the irony is so comfortable... Right it doesn't have to keep being shown off every two seconds. I think British people wear irony. Like, look at this suit i 'm wearing i 'm wearing my <laughs> yes. irony suit and, Oh, isn't it lovely? whereas in american it's just it's part of the, the it's part of the seasoning of the of the of the meal it's mm-hmm. just there and you, yeah. you it 's soaked straight in and I think that's the difference, I suppose. Uh, you don't have to keep showing off like you've made your first poopy look i got irony so finally enough the uh, ironically the accusation that's made is that it's actually the inverse the reason that you true. often don't detect irony in American comedy is that it's just so comfortable with it whereas the British like to show off their irony very that's obviously true. also um, I, I also like the other people, thing people like
0: to say is Americans don't understand irony people love to say that which mm. is just extraordinary like British people are the world's greatest at detecting irony I think, the uh, British are
1: actually quite bad at it tor- sometimes. they terrible as get, much as any other they nation. They get sort of priggish about things. And, oh, actually, that was, you know, just look at yeah. their reaction That's to I was to going it, to say Chris Morris. To yeah. Chris Morris and the Brass Eye special uh, to know that actually the British are just as Not bad. Not so good with else. irony. Yeah. Well, we're,
0: we're good with irony until it's difficult.
1: <laughs> yes, we're good with irony until it, uh, and, until it prods our particular obsession or our particular... Look at the
0: response that Jonathan Swift had to a modest proposal. Mm. That was well, a beautiful... Uh, the
1: other people had a response to his modest proposal. That's what I meant. Yes. Jonathan Swift. Did. So, mm, I wrote a good story here. <laughs> probably... Oh, I wrote a very good story. I don't actually know if you would have spoken with it. I he was I a bit don't embarrassed know. about his Irish was... background. So he was. He was I wrote ext- a very good story here. Do you think that's how he spoke?
0: Yes. As, a, as a priest. Yes. He was a very strange chap, wasn't he? Yes. He fell in love with a daughter that he raised. Yes. I studied him eight as years part old. of my oh,
1: degree. You? Yes. And, uh, and then eventually. Tarp, Gulliver's Travels. Eventually married her. And then they
0: died together, and he, when she died, he, he went, went mad. He went mad. And yes. then their graves are next to one another. It's a very kind of almost uh, Polanski ish, <laughs> accepting of paedophilia. Hmm. Um, well, you know. Oh, he wrote some very good stories, so it's okay yeah. that he fancied a nine year old. Well, um, well, actually, it's very interesting. Don't be rude
1: way. about Muhammad. Did. <laughs> God. Is that worse Than the cream <laughs> Cream pie <laughs> Yes <laughs> right. That's a little bit worse Okay well, we will say No more than
0: that Wow I think the silence of The game after that <laughs> Right. Was, was hello to the skip, I to said me.
1: nothing that isn't already written I... in the stories. <laughs> I'd like Aisha. Const- anyway, I
0: I'm glad to concentrate on Jonathan Swift dude. Okay. It isn't in- I don't know whether did he you studied him, did he, did you study what he wrote or did you study his life at all? What he wrote mainly. I mean oh, his life came
1: into but is did, it, but it's a bit did, valid did to talk too much was, about the author.
0: Was there any <laughs> Was there was there any inappropriateness with his relationship with this girl? And because yeah, he seemed to be to very much in love with her to the point where they died. Yeah, you know, it's the difficult to I mean, again, again it's, it's, it's
1: difficult to tell. It's a bit yeah. like uh, Lewis Carroll and Alice, mm-hmm. and you don't really know yeah. the full extent and how much it was or wasn't yeah. uh, accepted at the time by those around them and so on. But it's true to say he was generally a very conflicted gentleman. He was. He wanted yeah. to be a, 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 an English Tory, but he was. He was thrown out of the Tories, wasn't he? he had, he had an the I, Irish radical side of him, he mm-hmm. he was constantly every moment that he tried to be accepted into the establishment that he craved, he would immediately see the ridiculous aspects of that yeah. establishment and pick them apart in his writings and so. And he was just like those sorts of characters we notice today in in comedy. You know, uh, uh, the cliche is Bill Hicks. And people like that, right. but actually, not, it was actually Bill Hicks really was uh, on the wire People do lionize him but actually, I mean, on one, at one extent, he was a homophobic uh, uh, woman hater.
0: Well, you can argue, you can infer that from. Yeah, that's his what I'm saying, and,
1: and I'm sure that was actually part of his problem. He probably had this in him, which probably caused him to again to go through some conflicted sort of rage. I mean, if you listen to some of his comedy, I found it quite disturbing. The the rants against the fag, the faggy, uh, this yeah, and the... Yeah, And how he would... He the, this was he said this woman needs a... Basically, he was suggesting that this woman needs a good raping by a black man or something. was basically I don't remember him ever saying the, that. It was one of the punch punchlines. It was some woman who'd acted in an advert or something. I don't uh, recall uh, him uh, ever saying that. It, it was, guys. and he'd sung... Some James Brown's dick or something needed to be up her in order to teach her a lesson or something like that or is this the hero prophet talking <laughs> this sort of nonsense and then I, I was a bit worried by that I mean yes I enjoyed his talk about the uh, being off the roll call if you do off uh, the artistic roll call yes. uh, and I still agree with there's it
0: there's many much I mean it's, it's become very but fashion but he's not the Lord no, Jesus he's not the Lord Jesus no
1: he's not but on the other hand he, he had many good um Things that he said. Yeah, he, he's become very fashionable now to diss Bill Hicks. Oh, I'm glad I was there ten years before. As <laughs> I always,
0: am. But he's he was a great stand-up comedian. It doesn't really. Was he, he wasn't any more than that. that. No, he was. He was a great stand-up comedian. I think, I he certainly was problematic in, in some ways, but um, I think you you know, Rant in E Minor is definitely one of well, the greatest those, comedy those, albums uh, those, ever made. The,
1: well, can you email, a dear listener, um, dear listener, just, dear listener, podcast? at rumdoings.com rumdoings.org will also work and so on, but podcast at rumdoings.com and just tell me what the uh stand up routine was where he went on about how some it was some particular starlet or singer of the time, lady singer of the time who was just so fey and rubbish needed to be taught a lesson by a oh, a, yeah. a big black man's guitar uh, and I'd like to hear, remind me what that was, because uh, Walker is trying to claim that I'm making it up. That's I'm right. I, so I've said I don't remember it, and yeah. therefore I'm yes. accusing you yeah. of lying. So, uh, I mean, we all know that, of course, there was also the the homophobia against George Michael uh, at the time, going on about how he was advertising Diet Coke. Was George I, Michael out? I don't think George Michael was. No, about, but there was the implicit, he was saying, oh, he's such a fag, listen to him, uh, advertise Diet Coke, little, you know... Right. Baggy Diet Coke and so on. It kept on going on about it. I don't remember when George Michael advertised Diet Coke. Apparently he did. Now, he got that right. Yes, people who advertise Mm -hmm. things where they don't need to be because they're rich, because they have obtained their wealth from the works they've already done, uh, artistic works should be called whores and should be lambasted, but it was just the specific homophobic nature of the It's interesting lambasting. that you
0: would use the word whore, a very loaded sexual...
1: No, we all uh, say whore. No, that's fine. <laughs> I didn't
0: say it was out. a male
1: whore just, or a female whore. I'm just pointing out that's a... It's ridiculous. your own sexism. You assumed I meant female whore, didn't you? I did, didn't, didn't you? I? Who's the sexist here? Uh, I I am the sexist. You are the sexist. You hate women. I hate them all. Yes, admit you do. It. That's why you've killed so many of them.
0: That's true. That is my main motivation.
1: It is. The seething, bubbling hate. Yes. That, that's why, whenever you get a new girlfriend, the mistake you make is you kill them and put them in your patio. That's the one mistake. The, otherwise, though. <laughs> otherwise, it otherwise goes I'm well. the perfect boyfriend. Yes. So that's podcast at wrongdoings.com if you'd like to be under John's patio next. <laughs> that's right. If you are willing to. Remember to send attachments, photos, PNG or JPEGs, please, back Back <laughs> and front. <laughs> <laughs> and we need to know your denomination as well because if you are oh, yes. a non-conformist uh, Calvinist then there's an issue
0: That's that would be a non-conformist <laughs> Calvinist would be very problematic <laughs> yes, imagine it would mean
1: that you're a schizo basically <laughs>
0: There's a there's a, a dating website that everyone should visit, not because of the dating aspect, but because it's written by Christian uh, Rudder, who used to write thespark.com A Christian Rudder? No, yes, a Christian. No, his name is the gentleman's name is Christian Rudder. Is
1: he the man who got the stinky feet? Yes, that's right. Nobody <laughs> will know what I mean. I know. By that but you knew what I mean. He yeah. did the
0: stinky feet. Um, yes, yeah. yeah, so he wrote thespark.com and he's co-writing uh, OK Cupid. And it's the reason to go there is just to do the initial personality test that they give you because it's hilarious. It's fantastic. I thought it was
1: polluted this whole website and just turned into a crib notes site. Oh, no, that was the Spark. The Spark was bought by Barnes
0: and & Nobles and turned into... Well, they wrote... the Part of the Spark was Spark Notes where they wrote fantastic revision guides mm. uh, that were fun to read unlike the crap, crappy let's revision guides. Where it was
1: let, let's bore
0: you. Yes, that's right. They had f- ones with jokes in that were fun to read and, they, and Barnes and & Nobles bought this out which included the spark.com. And yeah, so
1: in it, order to turn it into a bad let's and probably. And m-
0: mysteriously, the slut <laughs> test and, the, the, and the, uh, all the offensive jokes and tests disappeared from the site <laughs> as did all the scientific experiments like mm. stinky feet and stinky meat and the fat project uh, and all that disappeared yeah uh, anyway so ok cupid has some really fun tests on it written by the staff um but anyway one of the in the profiles for people on that site they have you can put your you can choose your religion mm-hmm. and then you can have a little comment after it so you can say i am a uh, christian mm-hmm. and then you can say and i am very serious about it or i am somewhat serious about it or i am joking i am laughing about it mm-hmm. i think this is the three different choices the you can laughing have. christian and my favourite is when people choose "I am agnostic and very serious about it."
1: <laughs> I will never to a decision.
0: I'm <laughs> absolutely adamant that I don't know, and I will not have my mind changed on
1: the subject. I like that. Well, that it's
0: lovely. Sense. I think it's brilliant. I love anyone who's agnostic and very serious about it. I think yeah. it's an interesting person straight away. Yes.
1: So the dumbing down of British culture, then? I think
0: we've dealt with it. Yes. Holy.
1: I- I think we have, and we are at 42 minutes and 33 seconds, which means that we only have about 30 seconds left. So what are your closing comments for this week's uh, sitcom-based discussion?
0: I'd like to apologise to all listeners of all ethnicities and religions and backgrounds for the comments made by Nick Mailer that I, John Walker, do not stand by. That's my closing comments.
1: And I would like to apologise to the grieving mothers of all the women whom John Walker has murdered. And buried under the patio. And buried under the... well... Yes, I mean, I do. I really
0: am think... running out of space onto the cat, here. <laughs> you that's are. That's the
1: problem. I, I, the cat always seems to be interested in you. <laughs> that's that true. So. Yeah, so who's worse? Somebody who just talks about a wonderful story in the Quran about Aisha <laughs> or somebody who kills all of his ex girlfriends? Who's the real evil? Man? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, which one's real? <laughs> which one happened? <laughs> Neither, because they're that's both true. ridiculous stories which only an idiot would believe in. Thanks very much, Nick. That's enough for now. Goodbye. Bye.